In Exodus 40, um, there's some interesting things um, that God set down that to make a person fit to serve. Um, number one, they had to be chosen by God. And, of course, in Exodus, you see God choosing uh, the Levitical uh, priest to serve. And once someone feels that God has chosen them, we're putting it down to today, but in those days, they had to be chosen by God. The second thing that needed to happen, they had to be anointed with oil. And that represents the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, if you want to serve God, you want to serve God with an anointing. Three, they need to be consecrated and to be consecrated means to be separate, um, to be uh, called to a, a different lifestyle. In fact, the priests have much stronger uh, restrictions of what they could and could not do because they were consecrated for ministry. Then we're told the fourth thing, that they were able to serve. And I think even though that was the uh, requirements in the Old Testament, I think that if someone says, I feel God has called me in a special way to serve him, then I would like to ask, well, how did you receive that calling? Um, and it could be by um, praying, it could be by reading scripture, uh, it could be that God just has so burdened their heart. Um, and then, not only in serving, but where? I uh, felt led when, uh, in my very early Christian life, I was still in the army, I felt led to be a missionary. Um, but I still had ser uh, service in the service to do. But when I went to Bible school, uh, after I got out with my wife and daughter, I felt um, that missions is where God wanted me. And I also felt that as I went to Bible school and they had a lot of missionaries there and it exposed me to different mission organizations and what they were doing. But what really grabbed me were those who were translating scripture for people that had no Bible. And I thought, oh, how would it be like to be a Christian and have no written word of God that you had any access to? It seemed to me that to be a translator would be a wonderful way of serving God and giving people the written word of God in their own language. And so I took some special courses that were given by Wycliffe they came into the school, Wycliffe Bible Translators came into the school and taught and was their, one of their top um, linguists that taught us. And I flunked it. Um, I couldn't hear the difference in tonal sounds. Oh, there was so much. It was just, I, I just felt so uh, defeated because 
I really felt that's what God wanted me to do, and yet um, I didn't qualify. And I loved Hudson Taylor's mission, and I talked to them about when I graduated, could I be a part of the mission? At that time, they were not taking um, people that were married with children. So that rolled that mission out and a lot of other missions. <clears throat> and then the, um, I'm trying to think of the mission, uh, it's headquarters, a team, Evangelical Alliance Mission, uh, had a ministry in Madagascar, an island off of Africa. And they needed desperately an x-ray and lab technician, which was my training. And so I talked to them about it, but I was only halfway through my Bible college. And I said, you know, I would just love to go right now because I am trained in those areas and have worked in those areas to go to Madagascar and to be a missionary there. Well, I wasn't through with college, so they wouldn't even consider me. And so it seemed like every door I tried for missions that I really admired and would like to be a part of, somehow I didn't qualify for that mission. And that was a tremendously disappointment to me. Uh, I see now the wisdom of God in all of that. I wasn't ready to be a missionary. There was too many rough edges. And I hadn't been a Christian all that long. And um, so I'm grateful today that I didn't go because I probably would have crashed on the mission field. But years later, I was a vice president, one of the vice presidents of the largest mission in the world. And I have worked with mission, 38 different mission agencies and even have ministered to Wycliffe. Uh, but see, the calling of God was not wrong. It's just the timing was wrong. I didn't know the timing. No, I never translated the Bible, but I was able to uh, minister um, to Wycliffe missionaries on the field. I was able to speak to a large division of Wycliffe Bible translators two different times to hold conferences. So God allowed me to fulfill that vision, but it was in his time, not mine. And that's where you have to trust God. You know, um, God called me to himself and God can open and close doors. And I learned a lot in my walk with God. If God shuts a door, don't try to kick it open because you may be making a real drastic mistake. Uh, and pray about that. God, all of us are called to serve him, but where is God's responsibility to show us? But if we're not moving in any direction, it's very difficult to move somebody that's not moving or desiring to move. And so often in scripture, as you read, those that follow God left something. Often they left their occupation. They left their security. They left their parents. And um, you know, it's like someone said, leave and cleave. And God, um, took us through a lot of training so we could serve more effectively rather than to start serving too soon 
when there was a lot of issues in my life that God wanted to deal with first. So be patient. Um, seek counsel, seek wisdom, um, you know, from others as well as God. And if the local church does not feel that you're ready to serve in a full-time capacity, believe what they're saying and uh, ask them what they see you need to do in order that they could put their hands on you and agree that they see that God has uh, matured you enough to serve him in that way. I believe very strongly in the local church and that the local church um, really um, watches you serving, watches your attitudes and all of that. Because if your attitudes aren't real proper in a local church, taking a trip somewhere in the world is, is not going to bring about a change. You can trust me on that one.